0: David Booth I have the privilege of serving here in the ministry of um, leadership along with the other elders uh, overseeing areas of family ministries and children's ministries with the great team that we have here that loves your kids and wants to reach this next generation it's been a privilege to to prepare this uh, this week for the message and I'm really excited to share it with you but how about this weather my goodness, it's like we got a couple weeks of fall here. It actually feels like fall. We might get some, some rain this week, possibly, so that's good. Now, I've got to admit that hasn't always been the case, but um, I have come to increasingly love Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving holiday. You know, growing up, uh, I did not know the Lord at all how I know Him now, and uh, wasn't always the most grateful, <laughs> Thanksgiving was just kind of a speed bump on the way to Christmas, you know. But, uh, and even now, nowadays, knowing what I know, I still get a little irritated. I go into some stores and I see all this Halloween stuff up in August. Like, what is going on? And then they start mixing in some Christmas things by September. Like, what is going on here? (laughs) But, you know, this, uh, the society we live in, it's very fast paced. It's very ungrateful, and who can blame the stores, right? They can't really make much money on things that you can do for free in giving thanks, right? <laughs> but we, as the children of God, as the people of God, we don't want to get sucked into that, so we need to slow down. And so as we uh, were approaching this Thanksgiving holiday, uh, Pablo, the team, we thought we need to slow down a bit. We need to reflect um, on gratitude, thanksgiving. So we're taking a three-week break from the book of Colossians, which has been great so far, but we're going to recenter on some things for these three weeks. And we're not going to do this in a a dutiful way, in a way that's going to put a guilt trip on us, make us feel like it's a burden that we have to give God thanks. It's our privilege. It is our duty, but it's a privilege. So that's what we're going to focus on. Because we believe that praise and gratitude thankfulness worship unto god that's a it's a direct avenue to connecting with god and this allows peace and joy assurance contentment all these good things to flourish in our lives and you say well david how do you believe that why do you think that because think about it the most repeated commands in all of scripture give thanks rejoice, praise the Lord. All of these things that are the most repeated commands, they all have to do with giving thanks unto God. And they're all commanded by God for our own good, for our own joy, our own benefit. We think of the first question in, I think it's the Westminster Catechism, right? What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That includes this life and all eternity. Jesus taught about this all the time. He's on earth. He keeps saying, I came, I came here so that you could have life and you could have it abundantly. And I'm teaching you all these things. I keep talking to you about the ways of the kingdom so that my joy can be in you and that your joy will be full. God wants us to enjoy him now and forever. And let's think, why does he have to keep repeating these commands? Because we forget, right? We drift We become unthankful. We need to be reminded. Now we're reading from Psalm 103 today. And David, the shepherd boy of Israel, who became the king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, he needed to be reminded of this too. David was far from perfect. He was a sinner. He was just like you and I, flesh and bone. But of all the people recorded in Scripture... Uh, barring Jesus, I cannot think of a man who embodied a lifestyle and a heart of worship like David did. I mean, he, he, remember when he brings in the ark into the town and he's just dancing before the Lord and people are mocking him like, this guy's supposed to be the king, he's supposed to be dignified. He says, I don't care. I will dance before the Lord. I will have joy before my Lord. He overflowed with praise for God. His life was just overflowing with it. Now, the title of today's message you might have seen up here, I think, is Overflowing, A Life of Praise. Now, to be clear here, we're going to have kind of a disclaimer. We need to get it clear off the top. What is this overflowing that you're talking about, David? This overflowing, it is not perfection. It's not perfection. It is not a a plastic, phony happiness that is It's disconnected from the reality that we live in with pain and suffering, heartache, frustrations, relational strain that we all go through. We're not talking about that. But rather, it is understanding that thankfulness and praise unto God is our choice. We are to choose the good. We are to choose to believe God's promises and choose to fill our lives with gratitude. This overflowing, it's a lifestyle of praise, and it carries us throughout our days. This praise is not just something that we mechanically do for one hour on Sunday. We check the box, praise God, now I'm good. This is a lifestyle. David wants to encourage us all through this psalm that this is not just a promise for the next life. This is not just something we do in heaven. This is 100% available to us right now in this life. Do you guys believe that? We know it in our heads, but do we know it in our hearts? God's going to stir us up through this message, okay, and through his word today. So may God grant us eyes to see him afresh today and give us hearts to believe and overflow with praise as we live our lives before him. Let's go to him in prayer. Let's pray the Spirit would do that in our lives. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we just marvel at you. Um, We humbly come before you knowing that we are weak. Lord, we have a good glimpse and a a good idea of who you are, but we still fall so short. We want to know you more. We want to live a life closer to you that is pleasing to you so much more. We want to commune with you. God, open our hearts and our eyes to receive what you have today. Shine a light in the deep recesses of our hearts where sin and pride and ingratitude still lurk. Root them out, Lord. Do your work within us. And we pray this all for your glory and for the good of your people. Amen. Okay, so the first point we're gonna be going over today that you'll see maybe in your bulletin or up on the screen is that David has praise for the personal God who lavishly saves and renews. And we found this in verse 1 through 5. I'm going to read that briefly real quick as we get going. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your inequity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, we human beings, we are a unique bunch. God created us with self-awareness, self-consciousness. We process so much in our minds. We even talk to ourselves throughout the day. Or am I the only one? We're all there, right? But, I mean, in certain situations... We even give ourselves pep talks, like we verbally talk to ourselves, We got, right? I mean, we've got to smack ourselves in the face and say, wake up to what's true, what's real, and what's important. I know I'm not the only one that does that. David's no different. Like us, he needed to remind himself, he says, look up, David. In verses 1 through 5, look at this. He is speaking to himself in the third person. He's talking to himself. He's addressing his, two, his true, his total self, his soul, all that's within him. And he says, soul, remember, get up and praise the Lord. And then he says, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We are all very familiar with receiving blessing, right? We receive things from the Lord that we don't deserve. But what is this he's talking about? Blessing the Lord. How do we, limited, weak human beings, give anything to a holy God who owns all things, who needs nothing? It's through our willing sacrifice of praise and service unto him. We give him our blessing. Now this is a, this is a heart attitude of praise and gratitude, thankfulness. Now, the word bless right here, it literally means to kneel, to kneel, as in worship. Bow down. This is our proper heart posture towards this God that's so awesome. We bless his holy name. Now, in Scripture, when we see the name of God or bless his holy name, this is important because God's name embodies all that he is. It embodies all that he does. It informs us about his nature, his character, his promises, his actions. It it tells us of his very essence. And there are countless names ascribed to him throughout Scripture. But the one we see in this psalm, and it's largely used throughout the Bible, is the personal covenant name of God, as revealed to Moses when he was in the wilderness, he saw it in the burning bush. And again, we're talking about imperfect people. You talk about Moses, he's a murderer. He was raised up in Egypt, brought up in Pharaoh's house. He sees his Israelite brethren, some slaves being beaten out there by an Egyptian taskmaster. He goes out there, he murders him. Then he's on the run. He's out in the wilderness. And at this time... He's tending the sheep, the animals of his father-in-law, Jethro. And he's out there, and he sees this bush that is on fire, and it's burning. It's burning. It's burning. It's not consumed, though. And he goes, what is going on over there? And he goes to it. And the Lord speaks to him from there. And God speaks to him at that time. He says, Moses, you're going to be my man. You're going to go back to Egypt. You're going to talk to Pharaoh. You're going to bring my people out of the land of slavery. You're going to bring them right out here to worship me again. They're going to know who I am. Moses is very apprehensive. He's like, I'm not, I'm not too smart. I'm not too bright. I don't speak very well. He's very apprehensive. And so look in this passage, Exodus 3, 13 to 15. Then Moses said to God, well, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? What shall I say to them? He is the great I am. He's the self existent one. He's the one alone who has life in and of himself, the only self sufficient being in the universe. Now, guys, track with me here, okay? This gets a little tricky. Okay, put on your student caps here. Do you see in your Bible where Lord is in small capitals? See that? It's not like uppercase L and then lowercase O-R-D. It's all capitals. It's kind of weird. Every time you see this, it is a substitution for the personal name of God as disclosed to Moses. In Hebrew, it sounds like I am. It's Hayah. This is known, or it was actually written in in the original text, Y-H-W-H. It's known as the Tetragrammaton. That means four letters. Because in the ancient Hebrew written language, they did not use any vowels. There's no vowels used. So, there truly is no consensus at this time on how it's pronounced, the name of God. But most have landed on Yahweh, Yahweh. But the Jews, for fear of mispronouncing the name of God or taking the Lord's name in vain, they said, let's not even go there. Let's not even write it. Let's not even try to pronounce it. So they substituted Yahweh with another term, Adonai, which means Lord, as in Lord of all, Lord Most High, Adonai. Christians, we have continued the tradition in most of our Bible translations. That's why you see it, the Lord. Adonai. But that's deep enough for now. Okay? That's deep enough for today. The point I'm trying to highlight in all of that is that this this personal nature of God and David's relationship with Yahweh, this relational God who's got a name, not just a title, he's not a force, he is a person, a personal God. He's actively and deeply involved in the life of David Remember, David also penned Psalm 23, which we're all very familiar with, right? The Lord is my shepherd. That's Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh makes me lie down in green pastures. Yahweh leads me beside still waters. Yahweh restores my soul. And we too, think about this, guys. Each one of us, we must come to that point for ourselves. This personal relationship with us, with the Lord. It's not enough for us to just take someone else's word for it. Somebody else points that gods I have this great relationship with him. He's really good. No, we have to taste and see for ourselves that the Lord is good. Amen? We've got a taste of it. It's only when we have been personally blessed by God that we can truly bless his name in return. Only then will our hearts and our lives overflow with praise and gratitude. We must come to the true source, God Himself. And I just, I love the rawness of David in the midst of this praise that he has. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget, David. Forget not all His benefits. He says, Remember what He has done for your soul, David. It's Yahweh alone who forgives all your sin who heals your disease who redeems your life from the pit of death and we too have to remember all his benefits it's not only forgiveness of sin and peace with God it's not only healing and wholeness in Christ it's not only redemption and new life by the power of the spirit God just doesn't bring us up to this neutral level it's so much more it's it's exaltation in his righteousness and his love. Do you see that? It says Yahweh crowns his children with his perfect hesed. His hesed. This is often translated in our Bibles as unfailing love. It's loving kindness or steadfast love and mercy. It's a a compassionate love that keeps promises. It moves to action. And it's this joy and crown of God's love being bestowed on us that transforms our hearts and our desires to want to live in a life that's pleasing to him. We think of uh, Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart in Yahweh. And that brings us now to our second section of this Psalm. David has praise for the compassionate God of all mercy and grace. All mercy and grace, 6 through 13. Now, this is no surprise, right? This has always been the nature and character of God. He's holy and righteous, yet he's merciful and compassionate. This was continually demonstrated to Moses and the people of Israel as Yahweh revealed his ways in dealing with sinful humanity. In Exodus 34, 6 through 7, the Lord passed before Moses. Moses is out there in the wilderness. He's dealing with the people They're being rebellious. He's like, I don't want to walk with these guys anymore. But I need you, Lord. I need you to show me who you are. And he says, you can't see my face or you'll die. I'll put you in the cleft of this rock. I will shield you. And you can see my back as I pass by. And I will proclaim my name unto you. I will tell you who I am. This is awesome. This is the Lord talking about himself. Look at here. He says, the Lord, the Lord. That's Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, as we look back in Psalm 103, we see the same kind of language used, right? Right? And David's rejoicing in God's character. In Yahweh who intimately knows us, who knows our sin and our trespasses against him, yet who is full of loving kindness and powerfully deals with our sin. It is divine. Is he not so much higher than our ways? I mean, as I was preparing this message, I kept thinking of going, when did David write this psalm? At what part in his life? Was it early on as a young man, in his innocence, in his just zeal for the Lord, or was it much later in life? Was it after the adulterous affair with Bathsheba? Was it after the murder of her husband Uriah? Was it after all the chaos that played out with his kids? I mean, there's no sure way to know. I mean, We can't know for sure, but I just, I tend to think it's my speculation that it was later on. It was after these tragic events. When David didn't just hear about these things from other people, but when he actually experienced God's mercy and forgiveness in his own life. Look at verse 10 in there. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our inequities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. David knew that in his head, but he hadn't experienced it yet. Some of us might remember the prophet Nathan. He confronts David about his grievous sin. David thinks somehow he's going to get away with it. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, when we read those accounts in his life, you're like, what are you doing, David? But David understood the judgment he deserved. Listen to this account here from 2 Samuel 12. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and he said to him this account. He says, there were two men in a certain city. One was rich and the other was poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arm, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. And then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As Yahweh lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the land fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel And I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? And he goes on to say there's going to be some serious consequences for you, David, in your life. But he goes on, and David says to Nathan, I've sinned against Yahweh. But listen to this. Nathan said to David, The Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. But nevertheless, because you did this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord. The child who was born to you shall die. This is heavy stuff, guys. It's raw and it stings. God's saying you're going to deal with some consequences, David, and that child that you were ashamed of, that you tried to hide... I love him. He's mine. He's coming home to me. And you're going to have to deal with this junk that you have caused through your sin. But nevertheless, you're not going to die. And your soul still belongs to me. You will be with me, David. This is raw, man. It's so real, and it's another reason to overflow and bless the name of Yahweh. Because think about it, guys. If you're a Christian, if you're here today, let's get brutally honest. No matter who you are, no matter how serious you think your offense is before God, the truth is that God has not dealt with you according to your sin. He has not repaid you in full for what you fully deserve. Do you get that? Do you really understand what he has done in his grace and mercy? I'm reminded of this song by the Christian rapper. His name's Lecrae. He had one verse in there. It always stuck with me. It says, God has never been obligated to give us life. If we fought for our rights, we'd be in hell tonight. Amen. Amen. So again, who will deal with your sin? Remember the passage from earlier. The Lord forgives inequity and transgression and sin, but he will by no means clear the guilty. Someone has to pay the price. Either it's going to be you trying and failing for all eternity because your sin is against an infinitely holy God or someone else can pay on your behalf. Someone sinless, someone holy, someone whose life is of infinite worth and value. It's namely the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. If you're hearing these words and you know that you have not turned from your sin, If you know that you have not placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, stop playing around. I pray that these words would penetrate and cut right to your heart so that you would look up and you would realize it's never too late to turn to God. Yahweh's compassionate. He will save. He will forgive. He will restore those who fear Him, who come to Him in faith and trust and humility. It's never too late. He wants us all to come and sing this song and join along with the prophet Isaiah. Look at these words from Isaiah 12 1 to 2, 700 years before Jesus came. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I'll trust and not be afraid. Yahweh, Yahweh Himself. Is my strength and my defense, he has become my salvation. It's awesome. It's wonderful. And that brings us to our third section. David has praise for the eternal God of life and love. Because just as we read in Isaiah, Yahweh has become our salvation. We need saving. And his rescue, it's full, it's all encompassing, it's eternal. For all time. Now we all know. There's many in this world who. Outright reject. Or maybe they. They wrestle with God's existence. They deny our moral obligation to him. As created beings. And that we're going to have to give an account to him. Now willfully. Or ignorantly. They live with spiritual. Spiritually blinded eyes. But no one. Even the unbeliever, no one can deny or escape the fact that death is coming for all of us. Believer and unbeliever, death is the evidence that God is holy and he is serious about sin. Death is the judgment on mankind for when Adam sinned in the garden. God warned Adam there. He says, The day you eat of this fruit, the day you choose to go your own way and do your own thing, you'll die. This death, it represents separation. It says you're choosing to go your own way and make your own decisions about what's right and wrong, Adam, and you're going to be cut off from the true source of all life, and you will wither and you will die, and you'll be separated from me. Romans tells us in 6.23, the wages of sin is death. When you choose to sin, when you choose to disobey God's right commands, here's what you earn. Death, judgment. We don't think about it that way all the time, huh? It's a a wage that we earn. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us, it's appointed for man to die once, then comes the judgment. No reincarnation, no second chances, no change of mind, no purgatory. We live once, then comes the judgment. David knows this. That's why he slows things down. He's writing these sobering words in this song of praise. He's not trying to be a downer. He's not trying to drive us to despair and be fatalistic. He wants to remind us that this life is a vapor. It's a mist. It's a flash. It will be over so quick. Our bodies are finite. They will break down. They'll return to dust. But our true self, our soul, it has infinite worth and it will endure Either it's going to be with God in his presence forever enjoying him, or it's going to be separated from him in, tor- in torment. He doesn't want this. This is why he keeps pleading with us, trying to get us to wake up. He doesn't delight in the destruction of the wicked at all. But David, he's, he's praising God and he's recounting his blessings, and it's, it's for our example as well, so that we would find unshakable joy and gratitude in Yahweh in every aspect of life, including our final moments, including our death. Who remembers the second half of the Romans verse? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a trade-off, right? Free gift. Something you didn't earn, something granted to you is eternal life. And remember, if, If death is separation, this life is union, and it's perfect union, forever union with God. This is wonderful, and it's all made possible through Christ and the power of the Spirit. For the believer, there's truly nothing to fear beyond the veil of death except for a confident hope that we will meet a perfect God who has sealed us and crowned us in His love from everlasting to everlasting. This is where we find our assurance, right? Our significance. It's not found in ourselves, what we can do, what we can earn, our performance, how we're feeling this week. Do we feel close to God or not? It's not found in the world, what can be given to us or what kind of position we can have. That's not where we find our significance because the strength of man will wither. The wisdom of man will fail, and every kingdom of man will one day fall. Yahweh alone will endure. Those united to Him, and His kingdom rules over all now and forever. So yes, we praise Him for what endures, what truly matters, that we're known by Yahweh, that He remembers us, that we are significant to Him, and will remain in His perfect love for all eternity. Stay with me, guys. You're doing fantastic. It's our last point. Point number four. Wrapping it up. David has praise for the sovereign God of all creation. Just think about this, guys. Is Yahweh awesome or what? Are you thankful for God? Amen. Unto God? Say amen. Praise the Lord. I mean, David, I love this song, man. He has guided us into some deep, And really full realities of this God who saves. And now, I just, I love him so much for all his writings. He is a prophet. He could see with eyes of faith so far into the future of trusting God. And now he elevates us to just such lofty heights right here. He speaks into cosmic realities that transcend time and space. He cries out to angelic beings, and the whole created orders to praise Yahweh. I'm just like, who is this guy? It's crazy. Now, as I keep going over this psalm, I just felt just a mixture of emotions, too. There's great joy, yes, but also a level of of sadness. I, I just had sadness in the fact that we were created in the image of God to praise and glorify, and enjoy Him forever. But we have broken things so badly by our sin, right? Life is a battle. Even our faith is a battle. We have to fight to believe and worship the one who is clearly so worthy. It's messed up. And, I mean, think about it now. We bow down to such lesser things we we center our lives around just garbage when we have the king the one that's eternally worthy but man i just keep thinking back jesus says i've overcome the world the world we we're in a battle but he's already won the war amen god i just have joy when i keep seeing this yahweh is a god who's chosen to save he has chosen to redeem and restore mankind He will save His people and He will never fail. We just sang that song, right? He will not fail. So don't take that for granted, okay? Because it's not that case for all created beings. Understand this, people. Hear me, okay? Understand the angels will not praise God in the same way we will. The angels will never ever understand what it's like to be fallen, to be broken, to be disconnected from God, and then be restored to Him by His grace and His kindness. They will never experience God laying down His life to save them. In His sovereignty, God has chosen to redeem mankind. There is no redemption for Satan and the angels that fell with him. 2 Peter 2.4 tells us this. God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but he cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Hell's not the end for them. We fear hell, and we should. That's not the end. The judgment is coming. This is heavy. And then at the same time, there's innumerable angels that have remained faithful They've chosen to serve God and obey Him perfectly. Perfectly. This is something we have not experienced. This is something we long for, right? David marvels at the angels and he encourages the armies of heaven to continue obeying God. He says, continue serving Him. Continue doing His will. Continue doing what you were created for. Glorify your magnificent God. Do you long for that time? My God, when we will be like the angels, knowing God truly, seeing Him face to face, without sin, blameless, with a heart and a mind to serve Him. Sometimes I feel like it's a dream. It seems so elusive in this life. Yet this is His promise to us. So we believe it, right? We're to join with all creation and praise his name. All of creation points to his power and majesty. Yet how did he create it? All he had to do was speak it to be fully accomplished. And yet when it came to redeem mankind to save you and me, God humbled himself. God took on flesh. God walked among us. He willingly took our sin, our shame, our judgment upon Himself, and He died in our place on a cross. Yahweh's proven Himself beyond any doubt. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. So we receive Him. We choose to believe. We choose to be grateful and to praise Him. To live a life that overflows with His goodness. I want to praise him together. I'd invite you if you can stand. Stand with me and let's raise our hands to this God and let's sing along with David. Let's say these words together. What a marvelous God. Let's go, people. Church of God. Let's say this together. Bless the Lord. O you his angels, you mighty ones, who do his word obeying the voice of His Word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let me pray over you, and we'll continue in worship. Father, You're awesome. Yahweh, there's none like You, and we bless Your name. God, give us a heart that overflows with praise for you that will carry us through our days that will temper the many blows that we'll get in this life. And when we get jostled around, we will overflow with praise and gratitude unto you because we know we belong to you. Strengthen your people, Lord. Give them a better sight of you this day. Transform us. Make us pleasing in your sight and give us a great joy in you. And now as we sing unto you, Lord, may we just give you our willing sacrifice of praise and give it all up to you. We love you. Amen.